Hi, listeners. This is Laura. And copy, I mean Stephen. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we like to take our lunch break to talk about things large and small. Today, we're continuing our review and reflections of Gilmore Girls, the complete series. So let's waste no time and get back into Stars Hollow. Hello again. Hello. Once again, Laura. What's new in your world? I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, Stephen, it's been an age. An, an entire age. A Maybe geological age. A geological passage of time, like just thousands of years since we last spoke or interacted. It's crazy. Yeah, species have risen and fallen in the interim between <laughs> our conversations. Right? Like it, the dinosaurs came, they came back, they dominated the earth, and then humans came back and re-dominated the earth. And then there was the, the dinosaur-human civil war. Remember that? Do you remember how that happened while we were out? It's crazy. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you weren't you weren't paying attention enough. Are you were focused I wasn't on paying attention. Yeah, you, 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 you got to focus on current events. Like you're always in the history place. So. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I am the least informed on current events. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm the two of us. Between the two of us, hundred percent. I'm just head in the sanding my way through life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen. Yes, Laura. How you feeling? I'm feeling great, actually. It's the end of the week. You know, uh, things are things are looking up, and uh, I'm a little tired. I'm always a little. Honestly, but I feel good. I've been told that's the 30s. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. But if it's a good tired, it's like you worked yourself into a place where things got done, and now you're you can rest soon. How about yourself? How you doing? How you oh, doing? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, got some good news this morning. Uh, I I slept reasonably well. I am also very tired <laughs> due to being over 30. Um, but I have high hopes for sleeping in tomorrow, and that gives me both hope and joy. Um, and I was kind of looking forward to coming back to our conversation on uh, the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, if that's still on your mind, it totally is. It, it remains top of mind for me. It absolutely is, and appropriately, I'm drinking a ton of coffee right now. Dude, they make drinking coffee look so good. Oh man. Last time I was watching it, I said to myself, you know what? I had two cups of cold brew, like really strong, really strong locally made cold brew. And then I said to myself at 8 o'clock, I should have 8 p.m. Uh, I should have more coffee. And you look at me and went, what? Why? Like, I'm like now? Like, no, just in general. I should drink more coffee. I should just like have five cups of cold brew a day. They do make it look very cool. I feel like I'm not drinking enough coffee around them. Yeah, I I actually believe that that is Lorelai Gilmore's secret to eternal youth, um, an irresponsible use of coffee. And I I would like to test this out with my own body chemistry because I do feel more... I read once, it was like five years ago, um, that four cups of coffee a day will cure depression. Like they were doing tests on um, women with depression and... Four cups a day was like the magic number to lift you out of the feelings of depression. And it never said that it lifted you into the feelings of anxiety, mm-hmm. but I assume that that is the unwritten part of the study. Well, that's not what they were studying. No, but... the point was getting you out of mm-hmm. depression. 
their goal was not to make you happy, Mm-mm. just not depressed. Not to make you unfearful or not make you anxious, which by the way, anxiety and fear, they're very, they're like cousins, you know, and I feel like we should, when we talk about anxiety, we should talk about the fact that really it's just low grade, constant, maybe unnecessary or, or necessary fear. Cause that's what it is, you know? Dude, euphemism makes the world go round. So let people have their little anxieties. Ah, well, I just find that anxiety doesn't bother me as much when I call it what it is, fear. I'm like, well, if it's fear, I'm not afraid of fear. Oh, yeah, but you yeah. you gain confidence through confrontation. Mm. Like, you're one of those people who faces the thing and you're like, okay, you're not as spooky as I believed. You bogart the issue. Yeah. But a lot of people feel that thing and they're like, I will not look upon it. That will make me feel better about the issue. Maybe it works. I can't say. Yeah. But um, I can say that coffee is absolutely essential when you're going into the later half of the year with uh, shorter days, longer nights. And uh, while I once experienced depression, (laughs) my high use of caffeine has really steadily improved the problem. Right. And I would say that coffee is even could even be considered a secondary protagonist on Gilmore Girls. Like, absolutely. Well, you know how Stars Hollow is a character? Of course it is. I would say that coffee is similarly a character. And not just any coffee. Luke's coffee. Mm, he makes that good stuff. The yeah, good it's constantly mentioned. It, mentioned. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do the fancy stuff like over in, what is it, Weston's, where they have like the fancy kind of drinks where it's like uh, Starbucks adjacent. Does Weston's you know? have fancy drinks? That's what I seem to recall. Like when they went over to Weston's, they got like fancier drinks, but it wasn't as good. Like the quality was less. But the fanciness was more because like Luke isn't a guy who makes fancy coffee. He makes good, strong, reliable coffee. Well, yeah, you look at him in the face. You look at Scott Patterson's face and you're (laughs) like, oh, you are a man who doesn't sleep sufficiently. Mm -hmm. So coffee is not a nice to have. It's an utterly essential part of of your your personal supply chain. And also, does he look like the kind of man that would that could that would ever like make a caramel mocha frappuccino? No, like he would be like, no. Go, get out of here with that. Like you get your black coffee, you put some milk in it and that's that's your coffee for the day. Like it's practical. Yeah, yeah. I Don't mean, get me wrong. I love caramel mocha frappuccinos and all the above, but like that's just not Luke's bag. Coffee milkshakes are incredible. Oh my God. Coffee, like coffee ice cream. Coffee ice cream. Coffee ice Any uh, frappuccino. Any of the myriad frappuccinos. Oh, uh, that coffee boba, like mocha uh, ice cream, like non-dairy ice cream from Trader Joe's. Holy cow. That is something. <laughs> anyway, I, clearly I, I have... wanted to talk about Gilmore Girls, but it's mostly <laughs> just talking about coffee now. I'm just talking about coffee. I'm but a fan. I, I am too. I love that little bean. I, I am, but I think it's more just like they, they do make coffee look very fun. And I, I did want to talk about it a little bit more than anything. Gilmore Girls, I think, is the topic that I want to talk about because Lorelai, yeah, she her the coffee that she constantly drinks does keep her peppy, keeps her funny, mm-hmm. and honestly, a lot of people can't keep up with her. She's just got it going. She's always, always, always going. And like, I, I think coffee is a superpower, and also Stars Hollow is a superpower. Like the familiarity of Stars Hollow. Oh yeah, the... she's she's like a you know how vampires have to have in in some mythologies, vampires have to have uh, earth from their hometown yeah. in their coffins. Like Stars Hollow is is her vampire. Earth. <laughs> yeah. She loses power when she 
needs it, yeah. but she is fully powered when when she's on Star's Hollow Ground. Right. Although to be honest, she still does pretty well in other cities. Do you remember uh, in Year in the Life when she goes to New York? Okay, yeah. So Year in the Life, we're two episodes in. Mm-hmm. Um, she she the, there's the subplot where um, Rory is writing an article uh, on the psychology of people who stand in lines, and Lorelai just immediately learns how to work the system. Mm-hmm. Her superpower is just talking too much, and the thing is. You can get a lot of stuff in alleyways when you talk too much. Mm-hmm. Notably, what was it? The crow the, the, something? The crow nut cake or something, which everyone yeah, was, was standing in line for. Of the crow nut. Yeah, she just went into like an alley, started talking to the chef, and mm-hmm. he was like, Yeah, we're, we're talking to people waiting in line for the crow nut. He's like, Oh, do you want one? And he, she's like, Yeah. And then he gives her that. We assume it's not, it's not filmed. Yeah, right. She just shows up with a bag and two coffees. Yeah, but she mentions that she does talk to the guy who like mm-hmm. works in the thing and just gives her one, gives her a few. And then when this gal uh, like goes to leave the line, she's waiting for for cronut cakes or whatever. Laura like gives her one, and then later on, that gal happens to work at the store where other people are waiting in line to get these cool shoes. She gets these cool shoes for free because that girl that she gave the cronut to works at that shoe place, and it's like she's already. Just work in the system because her superpower is people talking and people. Oh yeah, she she has a gift for people, mm-hmm. and you can you can see how this gift for um, ingratiating herself with people actually causes her a little bit of pain sometimes. Yeah. In those significant moments where she's taking calls and like bad stuff has happened to her that day, mm-hmm. but she's she's supportive of your good news. Yeah, and you see the pain in her eyes, and. Sometimes it reminds me a little bit of my mother, and I'm like, I should, I should call her more often. <laughs> I text her almost daily. I feel like that's, that's good daughtering. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people haven't talked to their moms in years, months, weeks, ages, decades. Some people never knew their mothers. That's you know? true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Some people, uh, not people. Some some creatures were asexually produced and therefore do not have mothers. Some people were cloned, like Dolly the sheep. You know, I actually had a, a friend in high school who described herself as a test tube baby. And now as an adult, I wonder what that means. Because I was like, at the time, my child brain said, oh, so you were like cloned in a lab. But as an adult, it's probably IVF. Probably. Right? Probably in vitro fertilization. Speaking of which... Paris's ascension to uh, IVF mega star yeah. was interesting. IVF mega mega star CEO slash slash super Karen. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a meteoric rise. But you know what? I I expected that from her because the only way she is comfortable is if she is the best at everything. I love her her bragging about being the top rated IVF facility. Like, have you, have you checked us on Yelp? Like, we're top rated. Check Yelp. Check Yelp. We're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got the numbers to back it up too. But would Paris do anything less? She's been a fantastic character from beginning to end. I haven't seen where her arc ends in mm. Year in the Life, but from the moment you see her, she's like just the most intense, most aggressive, most ambitious character in that show right but i think it's because she had that major heartbreak at the end of her her uh, high school experience where she mm. didn't get into harvard yeah and yeah. she that 
scarred her her uh, her her little Paris brain, and it was like never again. Oh yeah, never again will I experience even even a shadow of failure. I cannot. Right. Um. It it's beautiful to see pure unyielding will writ into the face of a human being. And also to see people take what, what what for them is a huge failure. I mean, granted, she still got into Yale, so awesome. Still at Ivy. Was <laughs> at Harvard? I know. Like because apparently that's that, very important. That that if if you grew up your entire life expecting a certain thing to happen and it doesn't happen and everything has gone your way up until that point, it it is probably devastating. However, taking that failure and turning it into a success snake a success snake like she does in college where she just has the whiteboards upon whiteboards of internships and fellowships and places she's going to apply and the 21 different iterations of her resume she is so prepared and that 100% pays off i think she gets accepted to every single school as far as we know yeah that she uh, that she applied to and we're talking ivy league doctorate and law schools and i actually admire the depiction of um of her final year at yale um because it seems like mania right all of those all of those whiteboards with uh the with items listed and things to check off not at all seems like literal insanity not to me but no of course it doesn't to you Mm -hmm. because you know that is actually what it takes Mm -hmm. like i grew up in a house filled with boards because my my mother was a high achieving individual and it is that is what it takes to achieve the level of success depicted it takes an insane level of dedication and that is the uncomfortable reality of success um at, at least for us in the 21st century maybe oh, yeah. it was easier in the 20th i i can't speak to that i i actually keep going back to that last couple of episodes of season 7 where paris is giving is giving Rory career advice and it's actually incredible advice. She's so Rory wants to be a journalist, which is possibly the worst job there is. Like it, it, there are more successful actors and actresses than successful journalists. Oh dang. And, and when artists have a more, have a greater success rate than your career, like it, it's ballsy. It, it's terribly yeah. ballsy, but it's unsurprising that she has a somewhat in itinerant existence at age 32 because it's, it's, it's rough. It's a very rough career field. Mm. Um, but what Paris was saying to her is take the MCAT, do some medical school or um, take the LSAT, do, do law school so that you can be the law journalist or the medical journalist. So you can be the face of that. And she was listing people who were successful in these arenas and it was really good advice that yeah. Rory didn't take. So she's an unspecialized journalist. And that is where we find her in A Year in the Life. Like we leave her in Stars Hollow at the end of season seven. She is on the camp. She's going on the campaign trail with Barack Obama. Unquestionably, that would be a huge career high, but it's not anything that would result in something sustainable. Community organizers, people who work on campaigns, these these are not um, long term career positions. Uh, you're you're kind of you're kind of a gig worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's amazing to see what was such had such prestige in 2007 have such realistic um, 
end results in 2016, I think is when Mm -hmm. A Year in the Life comes out. So she has just written an extremely successful article for The New Yorker. Everyone's like, it's great, it's great, it's great. And she doesn't have her next assignment. Yeah. And she's dealing with a problematic and erratic English author attempting to get a book done. And I, as you know, I've been a writer and I always knew that I could never be a professional writer because the success rate, like you can't expect to live if you are a professional writer. It has to be, it's a skill that you have and have to add in with other skills to make a life. Yeah. But being a good writer, it, you will just be homeless looking for your next yeah. job, like sleeping on your your sexy ex's couch in London. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a bad couch. And it's, it's not, not a bad it's couch. It's not a bad ex either. It is great to see spoilers. It is great to see Logan back in her life again in Year in the Life. Yeah, everyone's yeah. Sti- I'm pretty sure everyone still hates Logan. And I think it has to do with... Oh, I don't think yeah. everyone hates Logan, but then again, I'm not on the interwebs well, that's asking tr- people who they what? like and who they don't like. I haven't seen Logan hate, but I haven't seen Logan Logan fandom. I see Dean and Jess fandom a lot. But again, that could be because a lot of people uh, fall off in season four. Like seasons one through three of any show get the, the most eyeballs. Um, and that becomes like the core canonical idea of the show. Even mm-hmm. for Friends, that's true. So Logan, by virtue of him showing up in season five, he's just probably not a consideration to most viewers. Right. Especially because I, I think I think you're totally onto something about seasons one and three being the more highly watched uh, seasons of Gilmore Girls. One, because people tend to, people have short attention spans. You know, there's a lot of shows I've only watched half a season or two or three at best. You know, I haven't seen a lot of shows start to finish unless I really get into them. Right? Who's dedicating a decade to, yeah. of their life to these shows? And not only that, there is a lot of controversy around season four in particular and season five because mm-hmm. for some fans, I'm absolutely not among them, for some fans, that's when they start to dislike Rory because of all of the opposition, because of how she poorly deals with the obstacles that come into her way and demonstrates that she's actually human and not yeah. a perfect stars hollow fairy girl. We All of us are unrecognizable at age 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. it it's, it's a huge psychological growing pain, the transition from out of high school into college or into not college, Yeah, um, just out of high school. So if I was to draw some logical conclusions, some fans talk a lot of smack about Rory in season four, season five, because of some of the, some of the falls she takes, you know, some of the, the perceived failures that she, she gets to. And they're like, oh, that's changed the Rory that I know and love. So they tell other people, don't watch season four and five, just stick through one, one and three. You don't need to see the rest. It just stays in Stars Hollow. It's nice. It's pretty. It doesn't change. You know, I, I would guess that is why maybe seasons one through three are more watched than season four and five and why Logan may not be as considered because it just doesn't get as much screen time. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Also, it's just a phenomenon that you observe across all shows like Gossip Girl one seasons one through three are the big, they they contain most of the lore that people are going to know if they know Gossip Girl. Mm -hmm. Another example would be friends like, you know, about Ross and Rachel and the back and forth and you know the end in the end they end up together but you probably aren't watching seasons five through nine if you're honest with yourself you don't know what happens you didn't see freddie prince jr be the manny 
Like, you don't have opinions on these things, but they happened. For me, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, seasons one through three, those are like the canonical moments for me. Gilmore Girls, it's going to be that. Give me any other show. Vampire Diaries, it's going to be that. It's going to be Stefan and Elena versus Damon and Elena and that back and forth. But by season four, all of that is resolved. And you're dealing with really different pieces of, I keep thinking God's fall, but that's... Mystic Falls. Mystic Falls. Mystic Falls. Um, it's Falls Church where, where it's filmed. Yeah. Mystic Falls. So you, you don't even know about some of the characters. You, you are stuck on the love triangle between Damon, Stefan, and Elena. But Stefan isn't even a part of Elena's life after season mm-hmm. four in any romantic way. Yeah, and um, high school is still happening, I think, for her in the first couple seasons. And it might even so, be the high school years, because I feel like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you also remember the high school years, and you kind of forget the the college years. This is for the average viewer. I am I commit to my television shows. Oh, yeah. When you like a show, you you go all the I, way I will be I will be coming with you on the full journey, because Multiple times. That is the kind of uh, person that you get with Laura. <laughs> That is the sort of devotion that that Alora affection will bring you. And in in some ways, I kind of like that uh, show viewership gets less crowded in the later seasons because you have fewer um, fewer people's opinions to uh, shape your your idea of what you're looking at. Um, going back to Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, I want to talk about some of the changes that happened with the um the actual actors and characters oh yeah because like 2007 to 2016 huge seismic shifts mm-hmm. for a number of the people working on this show kirk for example is yeah. now in the marvel universe yeah sean gunn goes from being you know a little bit i wouldn't say pliable but somehow a little squishier not in the face but just like in his in the way he walks the way he carries yeah, himself yeah he has a stereotypical nerd body yeah but then and body language post Marvel universe, like he stands more upright, like he looks leaner, but fitter. Like it's he, clear he's, got that a he's sev- working out. He's got a severity to him now, like a gravitas. I'm like, what? Kirk? What the heck? I know. Now Kirk is Kirk is a necessarily different character, not because of anything that uh, the I'm going to mispronounce the names Paladino uh, have done. Uh, the yeah. showrunners have done any. I think Amy, Amy Paladino. Yeah. 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 And Daniel Palladino. Yes. Daniel Palladino. Daniel Palladino. Sorry. (laughs) We're not, we're not, we don't know each other like that. Um, Daniel. But the passage of time has just put, put Kirk in, in the way of the, the three Marvel Chris's. And you know that like the whole Marvel actor group is just a fitness cult. Oh, yeah. Like it, it had to become that. Because of the pressures of working there. Oh, yeah. You know, like, the working out part of being on set is just, it is ubiquitous. Everyone either works out on the Marvel sets or feels guilty that they're not working out more. Yeah. Because it's just part of the, it's part of the culture. Yeah. It's part of our culture. But it's just so different than what he was before. Mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy isn't even there because you can't afford her anymore. She's basically a ghost, not an actual ghost. She doesn't die. She's just. No, no. She's, she's just unavailable 
because uh, because she's been in because she starred in so many comedy films at this point oh because gosh. bridesmaids has happened my she's friends de- she's developed a media empire at this point she is a media empire she is a media empire she's the person that goes back on snl and everyone is like holy cow right it's melissa mccarthy right Alec about baldwin it. is another person who does that yeah. yes like and to be in that same category yeah they speak she's spoken of in the way alec baldwin steve martin martin mm-hmm. short are spoken of at this point maybe maybe not quite steve martin martin short but she's getting there oh yeah, yeah. she just doesn't have the years invested because yeah. she's much younger yeah but like <laughs> we hear about suki we hear about Melissa mccarthy's uh-huh. character but we haven't seen her yet i feel like she'll show up because jackson shows up at a certain point you yeah know, and jackson there. got jack he was probably friends with kirk and <laughs> they all got into the marvel <sighs> workout cult yeah like you can see it through his like little henley shirt i'm like jackson mm-hmm. used to be like a like a you know a little Oh, little pudgy guy. Just, yeah. you know, just hanging out. Normal, normal sized dude. Oh, yeah. And Miss Patty. We we haven't seen her up close, but we see her from far enough away to see that that actress has lost like 60 to 100 I pounds. I know. I didn't even recognize her. Yeah. Everyone since the end of Gilmore Girls has just been habitually working out. Right? And Rory somehow looks exactly the same, but also like a slightly younger Marvelous Miss Maisel at the beginning of season one. Like She was I, always going to become a small Marvelous Miss Maisel. That's fair. She does have the energy and like the plucky brunette nature to mm. evolve into Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. And Lorelai doesn't look much different either. She looks, you know, relatively the same age. Um, Scott Patterson is, he's, he's just, he's just got a little more beard, like a slightly more gray just a little, little more like boxy, but mostly looks the same. Even has the same hat, same shirt, and everything. Obviously, that's intentional, but you know, yeah. It, it's... Actually, Taylor Dozy was the one who looked the most like himself to me, um, and, and it's it, it's kind of nice to know that at a certain age, you kind of stop aging. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Emily Gilmore. Um, she she doesn't really look physically different. No, from... she's just smaller. Yeah, she's she shrunk a little, but I hear that happens as right. you age. And that may that may have been uh, just may that may have been partially intentional because of the fact that you know tragedy in her life. No, nope, mm-hmm. I will not spoil any of that. But yeah, she's a Broadway yeah. lady, so mm-hmm. um, she might be using some some subtle, elegant physicality to communicate stuff. Right, but yeah, she looks almost identical. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, you know who you know who doesn't look the same, Mister Kim. Oh, yeah. Mr. He went Kim. from being totally invisible to being in a scene. Yeah. I didn't even know Mr. Kim was alive. I assumed, right, that either Mrs. Kim uh, was widowed or divorced or something or like separated or whatever. But apparently, Mr. Kim was around. But according to some of the stuff I read about it, it they, they, he's, he existed, but they didn't want to interject him into Lane and Mrs. Kim's relationship because. Sometimes just having three uh, three people in a relationship can kind of mess with the relationship dynamic, and it's, re- it's really important that they focus on the mother daughter uh, conflict and the hardship there. And throwing in a third character kind of would have messed with it. So they said, "No, Mr. Kim's around, but you never see him." And then he shows up and waves in that one scene in the Year in the Life, and you're like, "You're so involved." <laughs> I think I think so I heard involved you, parenting. I think I, hear, I think I heard you say, "I thought he was dead." I Is didn't he- think he was dead. I thought. Miss Mrs. Kim would always talk about him in the past tense, and she had big single mom energy. Yeah, 
which I mean as a compliment. Yeah, and I feel like she's not the type that would get divorced. You no, know? she mm -hmm. she would not get divorced. No, mm -mm. she would stay with that person even if they became a dolphin. <laughs> She'd be like, yeah, it's she fine. She would prefer him if he became a dolphin. Yeah, he'd talk less. <laughs> <laughs> Or he'd talk as much, but the words wouldn't bother her anymore. But yeah, and Mrs. Kim looks identical. Lane looks identical. It's it's insane. Like, like they tried to make Lane look a little older. They're like, oh, you're a mom now. You have two kids, Steve and Quan, right? They're, who are like six. But uh, they, they cut her hair in this sort of bob uh -huh. type haircut to be like, mom. But she still looks very much like she did when she was 20. Some people just stay the same forever. Yeah. Like... It's fascinating. I actually feel like I'm one of these people who's kind of looked about the same since I was 15. Like I've I've gotten in better shape, but young was never what I was bringing to the party. So like people who look older when they're younger kind of stay the same for a longer period of time. Yeah, I'm still convinced you have a portrait that's aging slowly in your attic somewhere. Uh, that's why my cats die so early. Oh no! Oh, no! <laughs> what you siphon their life force? No, we've we've just been we've we've had some bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, cats don't live forever, unfortunately. It's true. They're mortal, <laughs> despite the fact that they're angels. Maybe you should get portraits for the cats and put them in your attic, and then they can live forever while the portraits age. Oh yeah, I'd love that. I'm I'm a big fan of the cats I have currently. I'd love to keep them forever. The portrait of Meowie and Gray. Yeah. <laughs> Why is your cat staying so young? Oh, uh, yeah. Four years but this, is, this isn't to talk about like the way people have aged. That's not the point of no, this. No, no. This is, this is to, to mark the funny passage of time outside of the Gilmore Girl universe and see, to see the uh, actors who have lived that life outside the Gilmore Girl universe re-enter as slightly altered versions of themselves. Yeah. Kirk, I, like it, it's hilarious to me. Um, that we have a Marvel actor now. I know, right? <laughs> oh, and, oh, sorry, go ahead. And they, they update a lot of, like, seeing it in modern day, especially going from watching all seven seasons over the course of a month to the next day doing a time jump 10 years in the future, it was jarring because where they were talking about a couple of people have cell phones. Sometimes, mm -hmm. 10 years later, everyone has cell phones. Twitter has been around for a long time. They're talking about like cringe culture and cancel culture and like talking about all these things that we are familiar with from the last five, 10 years. And it was like, I feel like I just was jolted 10 years into the future. Well, into the present. And yeah. it was jarring. I, well, it's actually our past. Yeah, it is our past, but it was like, the, these characters are now here in uh, today's modern world. Right. It was, like it was crazy. In the last season of Gilmore Girls, they were on Blackberries. <laughs> that was the um, fullest extent of, of telephonic technology. Oh, yeah. And now, I mean, yeah, now it's smartphones, Wi-Fi, man buns, etc. Yeah. Oh, and, and Luke's updated sign from the no cell uh -huh. phone sign to no man buns, no texting while ordering. No taking pictures of your food. No taking pictures of your food. And also, he never gives anyone the real Wi-Fi password. He has Wi-Fi, but no one gets it. Yep. <laughs> it was just, holy cow. Like, just seeing it pop into the, I guess, our past. But more of the modern age was mm -hmm. just really jarring. Oh, my gosh. Really fun to watch, though, you know? I, want, I feel like it would have been a different experience if I had watched it five, ten years after I had seen the original Gilmore Girls. Like, I just finished them and then waited five, ten years and then saw a year in the life. 
Um, but the nostalgia factor was still really big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The magic of binging. It, it's supposedly bad for your mental health, which is, of course, true because your brain needs to switch activities. I'm sure. Um, in order to feel good about itself. But it, it gives you this, this fun, encompassing uh, perspective on the show. And, and with shows that are as well-written and well-constructed as, as Gilmore Girls, I, I think it's a benefit. Oh, yeah. Of course, I feel that way about Vampire Diaries. I'm not saying that Vampire Diaries is a work of high art, but it is extraordinarily well-plotted. Um, and by that measure, extremely well-written. And so it benefits from the binging. And very popular, too. Oh, and very popular. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's close to a lot of people's hearts. Totally reasonable. There's a lot to love there. And the performers are, in in my opinion, really, really great. Um, I, I still follow Candace King on Instagram <laughs> and listen to her podcast because I find her to be a delight. She's just a bundle of joy all she the time. She is a bundle of joy. We've actually gone over time. Oh, we have. We have. I'm sure we have. Yeah, no. The, uh, so this uh this topic we have feelings about uh yeah apparently we just we're just going just, <laughs> get talking just, about this for a while i love gilmore girls yeah it's a beautiful world to inhabit gilmore girls is a fantastic show and i would i would watch it again in six months yes i don't yes. think i have the mental bandwidth to go through seasons four and by then have my heart broken eight times in a row oh my god oh yeah oh but i would abs i could absolutely rewatch it it's just it's got something something timeless you know the the mother daughter mm -hmm. relationships the the family relationships the friend relationships there's something so real life adjacent about it mm -hmm. that it sticks with you it's it's a bit of a drama it's a bit of a comedy but usually a lot of the things in it are things that could and do happen to people in real life and that's what i love about it yeah and all of these it's events... not bombastic and unrealistic all of the events spring from characters' idiosyncrasies, mm -hmm. which I find to be the way that reality unfolds, too. Yeah. Your life is so determined by, by your weird little habits and your weird little preferences and your weird little perspectives and the things you do on a daily basis. And you do have this loop where like, you wake up, you go to Luke's, you go to your job, you maybe have a town event, you have responsibilities to your family members and friend group and community at large. And that sort of defines your life. It defines the uh, the rhythms of your life. Yeah. That that's what's so beautiful about, in my opinion, mid-century novels. It's it's very slice of life stuff, even though that can contain high drama, because you know it, it's consequential. The yeah. the small day-to-day -day sequences of your life are extremely consequential to you, the individual living in it. Yeah. Um, that's also, I think, why reality TV is so popular because it is necessarily slice of life. Not talking about like the competition shows or the shows that center on people who are extraordinarily wealthy, but um, the shows like Vanderpump Rules, where you're you're looking at it's essentially a workplace drama. It seems like it seems to us the viewers as somewhat bombastic, as somewhat overwrought because. Our lives don't depend on any of these events, but these lives are impacted by every single one of these oh, yeah. events. And they are centered around relationships, as are all human lives, centered around relationships. And the things you feel about relationships overshadow every other aspect of your life. Like they, they talk about how uh, 
in refugee camps, if you do interviews with people, they're not always talking about the conditions they live in. They're talking about their relationships to each other living in this space because relationships are your life. Yeah. And Gilmore Girls is a relationship show. And it's, it's, it's really empathically written. It's, it's written by someone who has lived and, and loved people and experienced the complexities of, of people who love each other, but who are not on the same values page and having to navigate and negotiate through all of these individuals that you care for that may be at odds even with what you want to happen. It, that, that's just the drama of human life, right? Yeah. So the drama of human life, beautiful to watch. Gilmore Girls is an excellent example of it. I do want to keep talking about this. We are so over time. <laughs> uh, we might have to pick it back up. We, we could always do a part three. We could always <laughs> do a part three. <laughs> do you guys like this? Are you are you into the, un, the um, not unnecessary, necessary to me, the the extensive analysis yeah. of television shows. How do folks feel about this? Do you want more Gilmore Girls? Let's Gilmore Girls. Are you, do you, do you have strong feelings about Rory's fallibility as a human being? Because I don't know, some people seem to, do you have a know, team right? that mm. you are, you're for like her, her boyfriends or her experience, like high school versus college. Does anyone you know? else like Logan? I do. I mean, but uh, you know that. But... I know that. I, I'm just asking, I guess, the the podcasting space. Does anyone else like Logan? Does anyone else like Logan? Like, I can see what, I can see certain criticisms against him in terms of, like, the, the socioeconomic niche he represents. Like, we hate billionaires. I agree. But if you're on, if you're on about, like, the cheating thing, I think you have to ask yourself, do you hate Ross Geller? <laughs> We were on a break. Yeah, because I think Ross Geller is actually the less sympathetic version of Logan's whole, I thought we had broken up. But that's something we but can that's probably... something for another episode. Another episode of Midday Musings, or whatever we end up calling this. Indeed. Or the secondary title, We're Tired. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it's so accurate. But with enough <laughs> coffee, we become less tired. But thank you all for taking the time to listen. If you are listening to this, send us your thoughts. Let us know uh, what you want to hear more of or less of. Um, But yeah, I think this was a a great episode. We can definitely pick it up in a future one. Absolutely. Catch you on the next lunch break. Adios. This has been Steven. And Laura. Thanks for tuning in to Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all things large and small. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and look out for polls and Q&As in the future. We'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts and reactions with us on Spotify and on social media. Catch you next lunch break.